The Crane Thrive Podcast, episode 139. How Max and Me became a smashing success with Stacey Howard. Do you want to grow a thriving, profitable handmade business? My name is Jess Van Den, and I'm here to help you do just that. I took my own handmade business full-time in 2010, and since 2013, I've helped thousands of makers, just like you, create and grow successful handmade businesses. So, are you ready to thrive? Let's get learning. Hey Thrivers, Jess here. Welcome to another episode of the show. I'm really, really excited about this episode today. I invited Stacey Howard from Max and Me to come on the show to share her successful journey growing her handmade business. Now, as you probably know, I'm currently uh, about to run my e-course setup shop, which I've been running for five years now. It's the first course I ran when I started Create and Thrive. And it's actually the reason I created the business, Create and Thrive. I had the idea for the course, this course, Setup Shop, before anything else, because people kept coming to me and asking me the same questions over and over again. How did you do this? How did you do that? And I just realized that it would be a lot easier (laughs) and save a lot of people a lot of time and energy if I just put all of that together in one course. And that's where Setup Shop came from. And uh, if you want to join us, mem- uh, membership, it's not Thriver Circle, goodness. Uh, enrollment is open right now. Just go over to createandthrive.com forward slash setup shop and you can sign up to join us for the course. Uh, can you hear the rain? It's been insane here lately. <laughs> so basically, what is it? It's a 30-day course. Uh, the idea is to take you through a system and it's a proven system over 900 people have taken this course and it takes you through every single step you need to take to set up an online shop, a successful, well put together online shop for your handmade goods. And you can't, you know, you can do it once, but it's set up so that you can actually do it over and over again as you develop and grow. And a lot of my um, alumni come back and actually redo the course over and over again with us. So it's really fun. And uh, that starts on March the 12th. Enrollment closes on March the 11th uh, at 5 p.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time. So if you're in like Canada or the States, that's actually going to be Saturday night your time. So don't miss the cutoff for enrollment for the course. Uh, Like everything I create, I like to make this affordable. So it's only 85 Australian dollars to take the course, uh, plus GST for Australian residents. And that's around like 65 US dollars or something like that. I don't know the exact number off the top of my head, but approximately. So it's affordable. It's a 30-day intensive course. It will help you go from go to woe and get your online shop up and running and doing it right from the get-go. So Stacey, I actually invited Stacey to come on the show because she took Setup Shop the first year I ran it, I think 2013. And um, I actually did a consult, a one-on-one consult with her back then and kind of helped her out to start thinking about how to make reproducible products and stuff like that. And I've watched her journey ever since. Um, she's been a member of the Thriver Circle, I think, since it started as well. So uh, I've kind of been in touch with her over the years and I've seen her business grow so much. She's completely replaced her old full-time job and more <laughs> with her business, Max and Me. And I was just so incredibly excited and proud of her her journey. And I wanted to share it with you because she's learned a lot. And you'll hear from this episode, um, we're definitely on the same wavelength. And she's really made a success of her business while uh, having two children. So she had her first boy, Max, uh, before she started the business, hence the name of the business. And she had her second um, child, her daughter, when she was running and growing the business. So, yeah, so for those of you who are out there who are parents and are trying to run the business alongside raising kids, Stacey's a really shining example of how it is actually possible and the steps you need to take and the ins and outs and ups and downs. So without further ado, this is a long episode, but there is so much in here. Please listen to the whole thing. You'll learn a lot. I'm absolutely convinced of it. And I hope you really enjoy this episode with Stacey Howard. Hey there, Stacey. Welcome to the show. Hi. Thanks, Jess. It's so awesome to have you on the show today to talk about your business journey and the development of your business over the last, what's it been now, five, six years? Yeah, coming up to six years. Yeah. When when did you start officially? 
So I officially started, well, my son just turned six and I started when he was probably three or four months old. Wow. Um, so, yeah, so back in the mid sort of start of 2012. Yeah, and yeah. so kind of where did that come from? Where Why did you decide to start the business when you did and the sort of business that you started as well? Sure. I was very fortunate. I had a baby that slept <laughs> as a prep teacher who was used to making and doing things constantly like, oh, what am I going to do with this time? So I, I ended up um, making some artwork for my son for his nursery um, mm-hmm. out of some postage stamps that I found out of my old collection um, and made it. And then a couple of friends said, oh, that's really nice. Can you make some for me? And so made some for them. And then someone suggested we should try selling these online. I went, well, oh, okay, no worries. We'll see what I can do. You know, <laughs> maybe make a little bit of pocket money as I think, you know, a lot of um, makers sort of start out that way. And then it just became this amazing roller coaster that just went from there and, and just took off and a few wonderful things happened along the way to really get the ball rolling. Um, and, yeah, that was that was the beginning of the business. But I have to say I didn't start out going, I'm going to start a business. This mm-hmm. is what I'm going to do. Um, it was one of those ideas that evolved and then, yeah, it just became what it is today with a lot of work along the way. But, it, um, yeah, it was sort <laughs> of, I think just one of those, those sliding door moments where you just head in the right direction and, and you just go down the right path. Absolutely. And it's really interesting to see the development of your business over time because I've known, I've known you since I think 2013 off the top of my head. Yep. Um, when you took the setup shop course, I think that's the first time I kind of met you. And yeah, back then you were making the postage stamp stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so it's changed a lot from there. I I started making artwork with the postage stamps, which was beautiful and I still love it, but very labour-intensive. So each yeah. piece would take me sort of, you know, eight to nine hours probably from the sorting of the stamps to the, the finished product, um, which I could do. As I said, I had a baby that slept and also didn't have a huge volume of sales going through. Yeah. Um, and then I was fortunate. I decided to set up a Facebook page, as you do when you've got a business, mm-hmm. and um, won a, a Facebook competition um, through the Handmade Exchange. Oh, sorry, the Handmade Headquarters, which I don't know if it's around anymore. Um, and that was a. It was just an initiative to get new sellers to market. So it was like a little market right. package. So. Yeah. One that, you know, you get a tablecloth and $500 to spend on your stall set up and, um, and then kind of went, well, I need a few lower price points to, to get to market. So that was how the postage stamp jewellery started. Yes. And then once I got into the market sort of side of things, I think that often leads you to diversify your product line mm. a little bit just so you can kind of, you know, tap into a few different types of customers and then, yeah, headed right down there the personalised jewellery and <laughs> kind of went off on <laughs> quite a big tangent. Um, but it's, yeah, I, I still I still every now and then get people, like my old customers say, are you still doing the postage stamp jewellery? And I mm. do still have quite a few in the cupboard. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I probably do need to do a bit of market and, and sell some of those. But, um, mm. yeah, that was where it began and it really did evolve. But it probably evolved mainly because I was sort of following what my customers actually needed and what mm. they were looking for um, and heading down that path. That is so important, I think, especially yeah. you're, you and me are very similar in that we started as a hobby, never kind of really planning yeah. on being a full-time business and then it just sort of happened that way. Yeah. And and realising that that development of product, that the thing mm. you start off with might not mm-hmm. be the thing that will make you the money if you really want to make this a, exactly. a living out of this thing. Exactly. And so, you know, uh, now you make um, a lot of monogrammed cufflinks yeah. and things like that. So you sort of tapped into the wedding market with that and you obviously pretty much is everything you make personalized now uh pretty much yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah. so so that was um it's pretty much stemmed out of i did a market close to father's day and went what can i do for for men what can i you know i've got all the pendants and earrings and things for jewelry and Mm. maybe i'll make some cufflinks and start off with making them out of the stamps so have postage stamp um cufflinks yeah and then went oh well maybe i'll do some that are like a postmark so it was instance you know um, you could celebrate the date that your child was born and it would have their name and the place and the date so looking like a postmark that you get on a stamp from the post office back right. in the day where, yeah. when people used to stamp them in the machines um, <laughs> and, and that was sort of how it then evolved from there and so that was and then the personalised sort of just took off um, I then invested in some engraving equipment so I now engrave on top of jewellery and, and also 
there's quite a big benefit in that in that it's no longer one of a kind so you don't have to mm. photograph each piece individually um you're not stuck with stock if it doesn't start yes. sell like you you have by the supplies um but until i actually do something with them then essentially you know if i discontinued that product line i could resell those supplies whereas i'm not stuck like i still am <laughs> with some of the yes. things in my cupboard um from 2012 <laughs> um so and i think that was something that i really took away from the discussion that i had with you very early on mm. uh, where you were saying you do need to make sure that you have some sort of products that aren't one of a kind that are reproducible at least so that you know you're not spending all that time with the photographing and the editing and the individual yes. listing and you know, if you're investing all of that into a product that you might only be making five to ten dollars profit off, that's a lot of time that you're putting in there. So, um, which was the case with the, the postage stamp jewelry. Mm. So that was sort of another impetus, I guess, to kind of push it down a different direction. Yeah, I remember talking to you about that um, mm. because, yeah, obviously the postage stamps—they're one of a kind. And I think exactly. we, we were talking about like photocopying them or something like that. Yep. And but yep. it, the legalities around that, and yeah, yeah. and colours were never the same. Yes. Like the depth of the colour, it just never quite worked. So mm. yeah, it, it did come with its own sort of you know challenges with doing that. So yeah. I found the postage stamp things work really well at markets. Um, when you could stand there and, you know, I knew where they were from and I knew what year mm. they were from and you could engage with the customer and sort of express that story. Yeah. They were harder to market, I found, from an online perspective, mm. whereas the personalised jewellery is just fabulous when online, like, you know, everyone wants their name on everything at the moment. It's definitely one of the, the on-trend items. So um, mm. and particularly having a lot with personalised dates for weddings and things like that, um, it's a really good niche market to be in. Yeah, absolutely. And you've done yeah. a really fantastic job of kind of owning that, I think. So now all of your stuff is on, is it um, different types of metals? What's the main metal that you yeah, use? Yeah, I predominantly use stainless steel just yeah. because of its durability and its strength um, and also that it doesn't tarnish. So mm. um, it's a, a polished stainless steel, so yeah, it looks beautiful when it's on um, and also it keeps the, the price point a bit cheaper. So mm. they are gold-plated, but, you know, we'd all love to have a beautiful rose gold bracelet with a lovely weight and everything, but unless you're prepared to spend hundreds and hundreds of dollars, yeah. um, you know, that's just not going to happen. So it means that I can offer a more affordable um, price for my customers, yeah. but also that they know that they're getting really top quality. And I'm really picky about the supplies that I use as well. It's been a lot of legwork finding people that, you know, that you know that you can trust the suppliers where mm. they're coming from. Um, and, yeah, I've got some really good people that I'm working with now and, and really happy with the quality that's coming through. That's awesome. It is such an important part of the journey is finding suppliers yeah. you can you can rely on and give you top quality yeah. all the time. Now, yeah. something I wanted to mention uh, that I wanted to ask you about because I was looking around your website is that you offer free worldwide shipping. Is that right? I do. Yes, That's correct. Yep. So, how did you come to that decision, and how do you deal with like? Do you put the the price of the shipping in the item price to cover the cost? That sort of stuff. Yeah, so it is, I mean, obviously, nothing in the world is really free. We all yes. know that <laughs> at the end of the day. Um, so at, at some stage, like quite a few years back, and I think, again, this is another natural part of the maker's journey, you realise that you are massively underpricing yourself for the yes. time that you're putting into things. And particularly, I think, for the businesses that do start as a hobby, mm. where our mindset is coming into kind of, oh, I'll just make a couple of extra dollars on the side rather than how much is this actually costing me? in both my time and, you know, my, my cost of supplies and things and what do I actually want to sell from that. Yeah. So back in 2014, I was very fortunate to be approached by someone who wanted to um, do it sort of a consignment wholesale sort of situation um, and she was very interested in buying large bulk quantities. So we're talking, you know, 100 to 1,000 pendants sort of thing, <laughs> so quite a large proportion. Yeah. Um, so it made me reflect on my pricing because I needed to make sure that I could offer her a wholesale price mm. but still make sure that, you know, I was actually still making some money out of it for my time and my input. Um, so it was around that time that I decided to reprice everything, which is incredibly nerve-wracking. Oh, it's yeah. quite terrifying that you think, I put up my prices, am I going to lose all my customers? Is no one going <laughs> to buy any of my things and those yes. sort of things? So I made a, a significant price jump, and part of my decision in that was to incorporate the, um, the cost of shipping so that you have the free shipping. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I do still take a loss on that, um, depending on the zone, particularly my international orders, yes. where, you know, some are zoned much cheaper than others. So, for instance, it's cheaper to ship to the States than it is to ship to Europe. Um, and, you know, the Middle East, I have one to United Arab Emirates, it costs mm-hmm. a bit more than expected. <laughs> um, but overall, kind of, it does level itself out. 
as yeah. well. Um, I was also fortunate then at that point in time I had enough volume going through that I could apply for an e-parcel account with the straight post, which means that you get significantly lower prices um, right. internationally. Mm-hmm. So it's actually cheaper for me to ship to someone in New York than it would be for me to ship something to you in Queensland. And this is mainly because I, I have a very a light product, so my, mm. my parcel only weighs 100 grams, yep. and international three parcels weighed per gram rather than block sort of 500 grams, right. 60 lots, whereas yep. domestically it, it's different. So that was how I could incorporate that. Had I not had the e-parcel account, um, I, I don't think that I could offer free worldwide shipping. Mm. Um, but, yeah, that was something. That was a really big turning point in my business. So I think just for makers to be aware of these things and look, not everyone's there yet, but it's something just to, you know, give them a call and, and see what it, it is a case-by-case basis. So see mm. what your threshold needs to be, um, you know, how far away you are from getting that and whether that's something that might work for your business. But, um, but yeah, that was a really big turning point for me. Did you find that when you made the change, went from charging for shipping to offering free shipping, did you see a significant difference in sales? Yes, definitely. (laughs) Yes. And also, interestingly, when I put my prices up, I saw a very big difference in sales. So um, I have a friend who he's a a jeweler and he was sort of telling me about their pricing and things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, they sell beautiful diamonds and high-end sort of jewellery and things. And, And he was saying, for instance, that, they always have a three-carat solitaire diamond in the ring in the window, but they never expect to sell it. But you'll sell more two-carat diamond rings than if you um, if you don't have that three-carat one in there. So if you sort of if you can have those higher price point items, you'll actually sell more of your midpoint mm-hmm. kind of items as well. So I found that was really interesting, and I think as consumers, and I know that I do it myself as well. If you see something, particularly probably not you know your fast-moving consumer goods like your foods and things, but often. If you're buying things that you want on your yeah. want list, if you see things that are a bit more pricey, um, you do think that they're better quality. But sometimes they're coming, you know, from the, <laughs> from the same place. I'm, I'm sure that you know some of our garment manufacturers are sort of coming mm. from the same places, but they're very different prices. Um, yeah. So yeah, it, it's an interesting consumer mindset in terms of pricing, and it is a it's a challenge I think for any maker to find the sweet spot. Um, I haven't adjusted my prices in four years and I probably need to now that costs and things have changed and the exchange rate has changed since then and postage mm. costs have changed. Um, but again, it's probably yeah, one of those things where you need to, to work out how much the market will pay as well um, compared to how much you value that item. Yeah, absolutely. There's so much in what you just said there, you know, the buyer psychology of having yeah. the, the multiple price points, the buyer psychology of offering free shipping versus charging for shipping. Like there are so many different considerations to make around mm. those those price points. And yeah, I mean, when we look at something, if it's too cheap, we think it's bad quality, even yeah. though, you know, it's just, yeah. it's just, it's a psychological thing that happens. So, you know, making sure we're charging enough, but not more than the market will bear is is exactly. is the eternal journey of <laughs> it is it is and also I think for makers not to undervalue yourself like oh, yeah. I know that and we all would have got it at markets before we hear someone walk on and go oh I could have made that and yeah they could have <laughs> but it's whether or not they're going to put the hours into finding the correct mm. supplies and the time that's involved and and the learning process you know we've all had many things that we've done and then thrown out because they haven't worked out quite the way that we wanted yeah. um you, you need to value that time, not just essentially your your end making time that you're at now, because we've all got a different skill set that we've been honing over, you know, however long that we've been building our businesses for. And I think that it's important to value that as well within within your pricing. Um, and yeah, don't sell yourself short. I think a lot of people, you know, you look on Etsy and I made it. Many of these sort of sites, you see people selling things so cheaply, and you just want to send them an email and say, "You're making a beautiful product. Don't undersell yourself." Because yes. You know, you can make one of those if you're selling it twice the price and, you know, you're making more money off it, but also you're not going to burn yourself out, which is another really important thing to keep in mind as well. You don't want to sort of end up on the hamster wheel of just pumping out the products and not Mm. actually enjoying the process as well if you're doing it too cheap. Absolutely. I feel like an absolute broken record um, on this issue. Like the amount of times I've said, put your prices up. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Number one, put your prices up. It took me two years to hear you, Jess, so I'm sure people still are. <laughs> but it's, uh, and it's, I think it's because it's a really scary thing to it do. Is. So many people are scared of money anyway. Like, you know, we've all got our own little money mindsets tied up within yes. that as well. So, um, 
I think the most important thing that someone said to me, and I actually can't remember who it was, but they said that just remember you're, you are not necessarily your target market. Yes. So even though you might be making jewellery or bags or baby goods or whatever, if you're not actually your target market, it doesn't matter if you wouldn't pay that price mm. because you might be selling to someone else. So um, I think that's a really important thing to think about as well and really knowing who are your consumers and, and yeah. Yes. making sure that you're, you're pricing yourself right for that. Yeah, there was, there's two people in the Thriver Circle who I can think of right now who've had this, we've had this discussion recently. I won't name them for privacy reasons, but one of them, he was saying that, you know, his stuff isn't, he's not his own target market, but yeah. he's realised that he's selling this stuff at a high price point and people want it and people are buying yeah. it and he's kind of like <laughs> blown away and so excited awesome. by this and, yeah. it, you know, it's going really well. And then an, another person who... Uh, makes beautiful beautiful things and she was selling one of her lower price point items and I looked in her shop and I'm just like just double your price right now like she was thinking about getting rid of them because they weren't selling and I'm like double your price because they are ridiculously cheap and then a week later she's like guess what I sold one at the new double price and I'm like there you go and even the double price wasn't that expensive so it is that perception thing like to her it it was such a simple product compared to her other more ornate products Mm -hmm. that she just thought oh well I can't charge much for that you know but to an outsider you look at it and go oh wow that's you know I couldn't do that or I I wouldn't do that or you know oh that's great so yeah this it happens over and over again so it is and it is the fear thing it really is I mean I've been through it multiple times (laughs) it's it's always a bit scary because you never quite know what's going to happen but it's you know and and I always say if you if you're not quite sure just just like put them up by 10 percent, just just a little bit and see what happens and then when you notice, and then the, just the, leave it. Yeah, like, and if your sales don't fall like, off the cliff, yeah, yeah, yep, yep. <laughs> and then do it again. I, I think that's the thing. Sometimes we do the knee jerk and go, "Oh, it's not selling." Like two weeks later or whatever, it's like you mm. need to leave, leave things alone for a little bit. Um, yes, because also people have that that distance between them when they actually see something and pin it on Pinterest or wherever mm. they're putting, putting it, and then when they actually purchase it. I think it can be you know up to three or four months sometimes, depending on the item. Um, so you need to, they're not necessarily going to have that knee-jerk sort of, oh, the prices have gone up, I'm not going to buy it now. So, And yeah. I think communicating that, I guess this is where the importance of having a mailing list and you know, being engaged with your, your um, followers and things on social media, that as long as you're communicating, I've looked at my pricing, I'm going to be putting it up, it's going to go up on this date if you'd like to buy it. You know, yes. getting now, I think that's really important as well, that you're not just sneaking it in overnight and suddenly you know, someone that was going to get it the day before has yeah. down. Um <laughs> But I, I think I think people value that as well, and I think mm. you can explain why you're doing this, um, or otherwise they simply don't notice. Is the other thing. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> absolutely notice. true. We've got new customers that wouldn't yes. have seen you before, and they didn't even know what your old prices were. Um, so yeah, I think sometimes we get too caught up in our own head about it, and you just got to do it. Like <laughs> you just got to yeah. do it and see. Yeah. And remember, nobody, nobody is paying anywhere near as much attention to your business as you are. No way. No. <laughs> we always no, think no, everybody is right. there with us, but like they're not. Um, and I know I was in sort of that, you know, the social media thing, you can sometimes get a bit caught up in it all. And I gave myself a bit of a, a, a whiteout over the school holidays so that mm. I could just be with my kids and didn't really put much up, hadn't scheduled it. And I thought, oh, do you know what? I'm just not going to worry. I'm just going to leave it. Yeah. My sales haven't fallen into a massive hole. The no. world hasn't ended. It's been okay. And I've given myself that break from it so I can come back to it fresh and renewed and, and feeling like I want to do it again. So, but. I think we sort of get caught up in yeah the things that we have to do, but actually, do we have to do it, or are they things that we're just putting pressure on ourselves to do it? So, oh, it that's can, so true. Sometimes it's important to get that check. Yes, and something I've seen pop up in some Facebook groups lately is the whole going on vacation thing. Especially people with Etsy stores, they're like, oh, I want to have a holiday, but I'm so scared that if I shut my shop, you know, sales will disappear and my rankings will disappear and I'll never get them back again. I'll be gone forever. Yeah. And I understand the fear. I absolutely do because when it's your livelihood, you know, of course you're going to worry. But you need, you're a human being, you need to take breaks. And from someone who has shut their shop so many times for like months at a time, it does come back and it's okay. Things, your sales will come back. (laughs) Your customers will come back. And if you're doing all the right things off, you know, if you're on Etsy or if you have your own website, whatever it might be, if you've got a mailing list and you, you know, you're working on that and you've got your social media, you just, you keep your customers informed and keep people informed. And then when you come back, 
you have a big, hey, I'm reopened and it's all good. So those sort of things, you need to treat, you know, when it is your business, when it becomes your livelihood, you need to treat it like, you know, not like a job, but, you know, you can't be a slave to it all the time because you'll never, ever, ever have a break and then you'll end up burning out and then, yeah, Yeah. it's all bad. And I've been going through that cycle and to be honest, it's something that I'm still working on. Oh, yeah, I think everyone is. Down the track. Um, And I I think, you know, a lot of us, and I know there's a lot of teachers that we have as well, and we do have that that work ethic and also that we want to always cross everything off the list. And I think with a business, you never do cross everything off the list. So if you're oh, never. treating it that way, um, it can be very easy to to kind of get into that. And look, I've had moments of doing that where I've been ready to just throw in the towel and go, oh, enough, maybe I'll just go back to teaching. And look, if yes. you think your teaching is an easy option, you know that teaching is a hard option because teaching oh, is definitely not easy. So. No, it really isn't. Um, but then, you know, you sort of, I think that's when you suddenly go, okay, I'm giving myself this full weekend off. I'm not checking an email. Mm. I'm setting up the out of office. And if there's a bride that really needed it two days later, then I'm sorry, but they're going to miss out on their couple yeah. this day, this time. And I think, you know, I get, a, being in the bridal market, I do get a lot of last minute orders yes. and things like that and that flurry and that urgency on things. Yeah. Um, and it can be hard sometimes not to buy into that. Mm. Um, but at, at some point, sometimes I just need to say, look, I would love to help you, but unfortunately I just physically can't get it across, you know, often they're on the other side of the world. I yes. can't get it across to you in that time frame. but I wish you the very best, you know, for your big day and here's how you could search for suitable things in your country. And mm. I even give them those tips and hopefully some other sellers over in the States or the UK or wherever <laughs> you get those sales because I would rather have a customer that walks away with a good experience, particularly from a place like Etsy, um, rather than thinking, you know, I'm going to try and make this and then have someone very disappointed on the other end as well. So oh, absolutely. Think, yeah, it's it's important to value your own time and, and not – I think in today's day and age, we're so used to same-day shipping and, you know, mm. getting something now, 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 and that's pushed by the big retailers. And we've got to remember that we're not big retailers and that we mm. don't have, you know, necessarily a 24-hour turnaround on things and we are making handmade goods. And most of us are juggling other things as well, whether it's another full-time job or part-time job or families mm. or whatever the case may be. So, and also being, you know, a one-man band. <laughs> yes. There's so much you can do in one day. Um yeah, so I, I think establishing those boundaries and look, it is definitely still an area that I'm working on. So I'm not saying that I've got this down pat, but it's something that I'm very aware of and continue to, to work towards that as well. Oh, yeah. I mean, and that's why I invited on you, you on the show. You've you've done so well and just talking with you now, I can tell you you've learned so many lessons and, oh, you know, over time. <laughs> And, yeah, and and everything you're saying, I'm like sitting here nodding, like, yep, yep. that was so yep. true. Yep. <laughs> and that's the thing, on those couple of years behind you, I'm sort of like, you know, half Jess and kind of going, yeah, I remember being there. Okay, yeah. That, you totally great. are. And, and I look at that with a thriver circle and go, oh, I know exactly where you're at right now on this journey. And, you know, to use a bit of reality TV kind of thing, it really is a journey. Yes. Um, and you do just need to write out. And look, there will definitely be highs and there will definitely be lows. Mm. But, I've got actually a you know a sign on my wall that says "Don't quit your daydream," and I think sometimes you need to look mm-hmm. at those. And when you get those days where you are hitting the low, then just pull away from it for the day. You know, if the business isn't going to fall over if you don't do anything for that day. Just give yourself yeah. a break, go for a walk, be with your family. You know, go and do some yoga. Whatever, even just go and sit down and watch Netflix and don't feel guilty about it. Like just yeah, yeah. do something for yourself in there because I think as a business owner, it is really hard. Like you were saying to to sort of get lost in the business mm. and for it to start driving you rather than the other way around. Um, uh, yes. Yeah. That's a really good point. So speaking of highs and lows, let's let's talk a yep. little bit about that. What would you say has been the number one challenge if you can pick one thing that's been a huge challenge oh. that you've overcome? Oh, look, the work-life balance, like you were just saying, it, it still is the biggest challenge. And I think, you know, I've got two young children. I've got a four-year-old and a six-year-old. And I kind of thought, this year, this is going to be the year when things are going to get easier. My youngest is at kinder. My oldest has just started school. Awesome. I'm going to have all this time. I've got less time so far. They've only been at school and kinder for three weeks than I've ever had before in my life. Because I didn't realize how many pickups and drop-offs oh, and, yes. you know, separation anxiety, but then you're freaking out about them the whole day. And it's oh. sort of like, oh, my goodness, this was meant to be my year. So now I'm thinking, okay, 2020, where my youngest is in school as well. Maybe that will be my year. So I think... Finding that work-life balance and really, you know, making sure that 
because this is my full-time business now, making mm. sure that it's enough to pay the bills because I, yeah. I do need it to still be a profitable business, but also that, you know, you're still doing it for the right reasons and you're still keeping that balance in there. And, look, I sat down and I ran the numbers at the start of the year when you do the, you know, do the review of the year and, mm. and I kind of went, wow, this is paying the same as a full-time teaching wage. And, look, I don't know how many hours I actually work on it, to be honest, because I never work <laughs> a full day. I work like an hour here and an hour yes. there and then three hours after they go to bed and it's, it's quite difficult to actually calculate how many hours I am working on it. I kind of don't want to, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> it's scary. Um, don't want to know my hourly rate. Um, but I think just having that freedom that I can do the pickups and the drop-offs mm. and I can have my daughter at sessional kinder and she doesn't need to be in full-time daycare, which she would need to be while I was teaching. So, mm. um, I think, yeah, acknowledging that would definitely be the challenge and it's an ongoing one as the goalposts <laughs> keep changing and also the goalposts keep changing with your business as well. So, yeah. you know, you might have an awesome year and things are flying and then you might have a year where you feel like you're chasing every sale. Um, you know, you have years where you get sick of what you're making and you decide you want to have a complete about turn and, yeah. and things like that. So, yeah, I think it's just going with the flow on it. But I have to say, like you are saying, the learning journey on it has just been phenomenal. I think that's the part that I like the most, mm. <laughs> that you are always learning something and, you know, you're learning how to do different things with social media, um, you know, how to do different marketing and, yeah, I mean, the skills, I've never known how to wave, like learning all those different yes. skill sets and different programs and things like that. So that's been, yeah, that's sort of the flip side to it. So for every challenge, there's still some, some really good things that come out of it as well. Absolutely. Um, I've actually recorded another podcast with um, Chris Gillibo and we were talking about this, what kind of sets entrepreneurs apart or the people that, that make it or that succeed. And he was saying yeah, a couple of things. One of them is curiosity. Like yeah. you want to, you have to be curious yeah. and want to be interested in learning and, and confidence in yourself. Like those yeah. two things, if you're, if you've got enough confidence in yourself and you've got curiosity, yeah. you'll figure it out. And that's part of the fun. Like, I actually find that enjoyable and exciting, like the whole learning curve, you know, it never ends. And I think that's fantastic because otherwise you just get bored and what's the point? Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. and I think that tenacity as well because I think that confidence can come and go. Like sometimes you can really put on the the back foot and go, oh, is this the right idea? Am I doing the right thing? Or, you know, you might get a negative review and it can knock you for Mm. six, yet you can get 20 positive ones and then, you know, there they (laughs) make your day. But, you know, you can really get knocked about sometimes. And I think that tenacity of going, no, I'm just going to keep going, just going to keep going just for a little bit longer and see what comes out of it. And, yeah, but that, yeah, curiosity, absolutely, absolutely. You know, it's all self-taught. What, what I've been doing and I've loved every minute of it but you've got to find the right place to learn and I think that's where the create and thrive and like the set up shop and all of those sorts of things and I mean I did set up shop when I had been you know I've been working online and things for quite a while but I still got so much out of it and I think even revisiting it now there'd still be things that were probably on my list that I should have done <laughs> <laughs> I to work on those keywords in Etsy. Um, you can come back you know, and do it again with us. Absolutely. I should. I think I really should. But I think that's the thing. You you pull out different things because you're in a different place. Yes. So, you know, the product shots and things, I kind of go, okay, I feel like I've got my, my niche with that. I feel like I've got mm. that down pat. But then you, then that frees up that brain space to then focus on a different area as well. And and it is ever-growing. I mean, my, my the first year of my business pretty much grew out of Facebook. That was where all my sales were coming from. Now right. I get a handful a year out of Facebook. Yeah. So you have to keep learning because if you don't, you're going to get left behind. Mm. Um, so you've, you've got to keep moving with it and, you know, see what's next, see what's next on the radar. So I'm curious, you know, you're you're a one-woman show. Do you plan on that ever changing? Um, I've had, like, a couple of years ago, things got really busy around Christmas and Father's Day is not peak time for next and that cut things. So, mm. um those two times a year I had people coming just to help me doing the wrapping and packing because yep. it was just getting overwhelmed by <laughs> trying to get them out. And, and wrapping and packing at midnight is never a good idea. No. Because that's when mistakes happen. Yes. <laughs> so you said the wrong thing. Yeah. You're not bringing in people to help out. Um, so I've had sort of, you know, moments here and there where I, I have recruited some people to help me out. But overall, I think, I, I think I'm too much of a control freak to have some <laughs> <laughs> Can I admit that? Yes. Um, I, I, I kind of 
understand. Yep. <laughs> like the whole quality control and oh, yes, yeah. I could absolutely train someone up to start making these things. And but yeah, I, I don't feel like I'm ready to let it go. I have at times hired people to help me with social media because I yeah. felt like that's an area that it's a thing for my business that I know that I need to do. It's not a passion of mine. Yeah. So I feel quite happy to pass it over and yeah. cross it off the list. Um, but then I was still working out, is the return on investment in hiring someone to do that worthwhile? So mm. that can still be a bit of a juggling act with that as well. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think there's certain areas like, you know, I hire a cleaner. So for me, yes. I'm happy to outsource that. I'm happy to outsource cleaning the toilet and pay for that and then that frees up some time that I could be doing some other things in my business. So I think... In essence of, you know, expanding the business and making a big team and that mm. sort of thing, I don't foresee that in the near future, but who knows? Yeah. Um, but I think sometimes it's good to recruit help in other ways, um, mm. you know, whether it's hiring a babysitter to help you pick up some drop-offs or, um, yeah, hiring a cleaner or yeah, hiring an ironing lady or whatever the case yeah. may be, but then that frees you up to work on your business a little Absolutely. bit more as well. So yeah. I, I think there's still compromises to that as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I always say that when I talk about outsourcing, people always think, oh, I don't want to outsource like the making of stuff. But I'm like, it's not just your business I'm talking about. It's your life. Like what other things? And that's what you just said, you know, cleaner, uh, pick up drop-offs, whatever. You can outsource other aspects of your life that mean you have more time to work on the business. So the things you – either things you don't enjoy or the things you're not good at, that's usually where you want to start. Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) With the outsourcing. Yeah, you know, even your groceries, even when it gets busy, do online grocery shopping and get it delivered to your mm, door. I mean, I think cool. the delivery guy brings it into your kitchen. So wow, <laughs> do you know what good. I mean? If that's yeah, taking yeah. you an hour, an hour and a half, yes, it's probably costing a little bit more, um, but it may be worth it in the long run. Like you've got to value your time and, yeah, how much you're worth as well. Absolutely. And your skill set, like what, where, yeah. you, you know, yeah. what, what time, you know, what – activity is going to bring you the most return on investment yes. and and spend your, yep. your time there and use the money that you earn through that to buy yep. the other things. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. So let's talk success. What would you say has been one of the most exciting, successful moments in your business journey? Oh, um, look, financial, um, look, I'm a money person. I, yep. my, both my parents are bankers. <laughs> I did it, my first degree was in um, statistics and psychology. So, like, I'm, I'm wow, a numbers awesome. person. Yeah. So, for me, like, sitting, hitting that magic six-figure salary figure of yeah. turnover going, oh, my God, how how has this even happened? I, yeah. That was that was so far out. That was that massive, you know, elusive thing. We go, one day, one day. So, when that actually happened, I was like, oh, my goodness, this is a business. This is no longer just something that I'm doing that's just a little crafting. Yeah. This has actually turned into a business and now I need to really treat it as such and I need to invest in myself as a business owner as well and in my development as well. So I think that from one perspective is a really big one. Um, but I think as well just it can it can be those little successes. Like honestly, every time when you get a nice review or even just a mm. nice email from a customer, I got one last night. It was waiting for me when I woke up from a bride over in the <laughs> States who was just over the moon about the cufflinks that she got for her dad for um you know as the father of the bride and just those little things i think Mm. sometimes they're the ones that can that can really make your day as well and just turn things around go this is the reason i'm doing it because yes you know i've worked in customer service industries my entire life i've been you know in supermarkets and jewelry stores and hospitality and then teaching and so it's always been I've always been a bit of a people pleaser. I think that's just mm. part of my temperament. Um, so to know that you've really made something special for someone that they're going to treasure on their special day, that's that's why I do it at the end of the day. that That's where I get my little kicks out of it as well. So, <laughs> so you know, yes, there's a business side to it, but there's also a really personal side to it as well. And, and I think they're the successes I have printed off you know, my reviews and some of my emails and I've got them around my study because sometimes you do need <laughs> reminding yes. of it. Okay, this is good. I am doing good out there. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I, I think that's the thing. And also shipping around the world, like mm. getting these these orders to, you know, Luxembourg and, um, you know, when I got one to Mexico and I have one to Peru and these these places where you go, oh, my goodness, well, they never would have found me if not for the ones with the internet. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm just a person making things in Melbourne. Like, how have they even found me? How is that even possible? So that's a real little, you know, bit of excitement as well when you mm. look at that. Definitely. 
That's so cool. Um, I love that. And that's really when it comes down to it, those two things, you know, the money, the business side is important. It's so important. But the personal side, and that's what handmade business is all about, isn't it? Is that personal yep. connection between the maker yep. and the recipient. Absolutely. And I always think, you know, when my jewelry goes out in the world, it's like, how many pieces of things that we have made are out there all over the world now yeah. that people are treasuring and that might be handed down as a family heirloom oh, in the future? That. You yeah. know, it's such a lovely thought. Yeah. And to know something you've created will be out there in the world. So, yeah, that is yeah. very rewarding as well. Absolutely. Now, what would you say has been the number one marketing move? What's been your most successful marketing strategy? Oh, that's a hard one. Um, I think, look, I think definitely having your own website was a really important part for me. I think just looking legit when you're at markets and being able to hand out a business card that has, you know, an email address that does, that isn't just a Gmail or a Yahoo or, yeah. you know, that sort of thing and also having a website that customers want to know that so many of us are online shoppers now and we want to know that we're shopping from someone that's a reputable, like, you know, legit place to be. So I think yes. having your own website as well as look, a large proportion of my sales will come through Etsy. So I'm mm -hmm. still a big believer in still diversifying across that. Um, sure. But I, I think you still need to have something that's just yours and also something that you have full control over. Mm. So that was definitely a big part for me. The free shipping was a, a really major market for me um, in sort of heading down that direction. Um, and also I think, like we were saying before, about just coming up with something that that isn't that is a, a reproducible product. So something mm. that you don't have to spend all the legwork every single time in photographing it, listing it, editing the photos. Like you know, constantly as soon as someone buys it, you know that you've got another hour's worth of work to get something like that back up again mm. online. So someone can buy you know a pair of the father of bride cufflinks or whatever the case may be, and it's just an automatic listing and it's back there the next second. So I think to have that that that's huge from a marketing perspective. Um, and also then you start to build reviews and things behind that as well. So then gives that product a lot more of standing as well. Um, so, yeah, that, that certainly really helped. Um, I think as well in terms of Etsy, I found that personally for me, renewing my products on a regular basis was mm. I tracked my stats. I sort of started doing that back in mid-2014, came back from holidays and, you know, like we said, it kind of hit a bit of a lull. I'm like, okay, yeah. I'm just going to try and just do – I was relisting – five a day, like it wasn't very much, mm. which I think comes up to, what, a dollar US. This <laughs> yes. is not a massive investment in terms of your marketing mm. spend. Um, and so then that started getting a bit of traction and then I increased that, that budget up a little bit more and, and now that's just a natural part. I don't even, uh, to be honest, I don't even know exactly how much I spend on it because I just schedule it all and yeah. set it all up because that's just part of how I run my business now. It's just, yeah. yeah, when the bill comes in, which is always a hefty bill from Etsy, um, yep. after, yep. you know, when you're doing decent sales, then, yeah, it, I just kind of go, well, that's that's part of running a business. Absolutely. Um, I don't have the overheads of, you know, having a, a, a retail space. I don't have mm. staff to pay. I don't have any of those things. So um, I think just being aware of that you are going to need to spend a little bit sometimes to make a bit, but that doesn't mean that you need to stretch yourself massively into debt. You know, you, you start small and, and then gradually and build it up from there. Yeah, absolutely. But, yeah. And I love this this idea, you know, we talked way back earlier about wholesale and you said that, you know, mm. you were approached. This is so yep. often when people come up against the pricing issue because they've never yep. really thought about it. And then suddenly yep. somebody wants to wholesale from them and they're like, oh, hang on a second, mm -hmm. <laughs> I can't afford that because no. I'm charging nowhere near enough. And yeah. in my the Wholesale Know How course I run with Melanie Augustine, she made a really good point, just the way she phrased this, and it's always stuck with me, is that when, you're selling, when you are selling uh, to your customer directly, yeah. you have a retail price. Yeah. And then when you're selling to the wholesaler, obviously, you know, they – they earn half of that money, but there's a reason for that. And when mm -hmm. you're you're selling direct to your customer, that extra money is your you know your retail wage. It's covering yeah. all the time you spend marketing your products, yeah. uh, all the time you spend on developing your website and your social media and all of that. Because when you sell something wholesale to a shop, they do all of that for you. Yeah, they absolutely. do all the marketing. They have the overheads. So mm -hmm. if you think about it in that way. You need to be charging that retail price because that's what's covering all that extra work and marketing yeah. and, and yeah. overheads that if you were only selling wholesale, you wouldn't have to worry about. 
Exactly. So exactly. It's, it's, it's so important to get that right and have that number, you know, at a decent level so that you are making a good it profit is. because without yeah. profit, you can't reinvest, which is what you're no. talking about here is no. reinvest in the marketing and development of your business. Yeah, and they're the things that, yeah, you need to you need to build a profit base in there. You can't be spending all your money on supplies. So if you're constantly in that cycle, something needs to change there. You either need to stop buying selling supplies. <laughs> I know there's a lot of us have a lot of things that we probably need to de-stash. Or yes. you, know, you may need to look at your pricing and, yeah, all of those sorts of things because you have to build yourself a buffering so that you can afford to, you know, do those sorts of things. Like, I mean, I've invested in... Google AdWords and paid advertising, a couple of different things. And you've got to find what's right. Some have worked, some haven't worked. Mm. Um, but you need, I think you need to be able to give yourself a buffer that you're not going to break the bank to actually yeah. invest in these and, and give it a shot because you never know. It could go crazy. I mean, I, I was fortunate enough to apply for, a, it was just a competition with Australia Post late last mm. year and was fortunate enough to get um, a free spot in Click Frenzy at the end of last year. Right, um, yeah. I'm not actually sure how much it does cost, so I, I don't know in terms of the return on investment, but that was that was huge for me. Mm. The sales that came through from that were amazing and I was like, oh, I don't know how this is going to go. You know, Click Frenzy is not normally a, a handmade business sort of yeah. thing. It's more like <laughs> the big retailers and the big brands and, you know, oh, well, but it's free. Let's see what happens out of it. Um but it's something now that I'm like, okay, I got an email actually today that came in about getting in early and I'm like, okay, well, maybe I'll look into that and sort of see how much that is and I'm sure it's mm. not cheap as chips to, <laughs> to no. do it. Um, but, okay, let's let's see how much it is and, and weigh that up in, on whether or not it's worth investing in it. So, Absolutely. yeah, yeah, I think you've got to – you need to factor in advertising and marketing into your, into your business budget mm. essentially. Um, and look, it may not be at the very start, but once you actually start gaining traction and you know that you're getting regular sales and you know that you've got your pricing right and you've got your customer base and your products are all good, then that's when it's time to start, I think, going, okay, well, how do I up the ante on this? How do I just get in front of more eyes? Mm. Because the more people that see you, then the more chance you have of making sales. So, um, yeah, I, I think that's, that's your main thing with marketing as well. But, yeah, the wholesale thing, that was one that just came left to field. That was purely, and this is, here's a reason to talk to the people around you at markets. Mm. I always talk to the stallholders around me. I always <laughs> put cards. I always say, can I take a photo and I'll tag you on Facebook and all of that sort of stuff. Yeah. And just network, basically. And it came out of a market which definitely wasn't one of my best markets. Like, it was an okay one, but it wasn't one where you go, oh, that was well worth spending my entire Saturday. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, but it turned out that the stallholder that I was next to, she wholesaled to um, a person who is now, you know, one of my on-sellers. And I just got a, an email out of the blue and said, you know, would you be interested in, in doing some some pendants for me. I was literally about to shut up shop because I was nine months pregnant with my second child. <laughs> I was about to shut down the group shop for a month and went over and went, yeah, no worries, okay. You know, I, I do wholesale orders for 20 pendants or more and she said, so how much would it be for like 400 a month? Like, okay, okay. See the belly? It's going to be a bit of a long time before you get them. But, okay, let's sit down and work this out. And, look, she's another mum who's running her own business and, yep. you know, gets it. She's got two young kids as well. So, um, but that was purely one of those things that came out of networking. So I think as well it's really important to, you know, use places like Grant and Thrive and the Thrive Circle to actually network but also have that face-to-face -face connection. If mm -hmm. you're at a market, talk to your customers. Put your phone away. <laughs> like the amount yeah. of people I see sitting there behind their stall looking at their phone, I'm like, you're not going to uh, make a sale. You're not going to make a sale doing that. No. Like greet every person, even yeah. if it's to say you're having a great day, you've got any bargains, what have you bought? Like, mm. you know, just engage and because that's all about building your brand and, you know, and and they may come back if they've yeah. seen you things they meant to buy it that day, but they're like, oh, that person was really nice. And like you were saying before, that's the reason why we buy handmade is to buy from that person, not to buy from that business as such. Um, yeah. So I think that's really important to remember. Absolutely, absolutely. Oh, fantastic. Do you have a piece of advice that you would give yourself five years ago, oh, six years ago? What wow. would be the most, like, the most important piece of advice you could give old you when you were just starting old out? Old you, past AC. Yeah. Past um, AC, yeah. What did I give her? Oh, that's a really hard one to do, <laughs> Probably because there's so many things. Oh, there are so many. There's so many things I want to say to past Daisy. <laughs> there's so many things I want to say to it. Um, oh, I think I'd just say just just stay true and just just really enjoy this. Just enjoy every step of it along the way. 
you mm-hmm. are going to get there. You just need to hang in there. Um, and yeah, just, just enjoy it. I think, like, I think that, like you were saying, no one cares about your business as much as you do. And it can be so easy to get caught up in worrying about it rather than just mm. enjoying it and just being part of it and just having faith in what you're doing. And at the end of the day, if you enjoy what you're doing, whether you make a million bucks out of it or you make 20 bucks out of it, if you're actually getting enjoyment out of it, then that's that's still a big part of it as well. So, Absolutely. And I've made some beautiful friends along the way through this that I never would have crossed paths with. It's mm. taken me into a whole other realm that I didn't even know existed. And there's a beautiful, like, handmade community both online and, you know, out there at the markets and things. So I think, yeah, just... Just enjoy the ride. <laughs> that would be my <laughs> advice, I think, more than anything. I love it. Enjoy the ride. And, yeah. and it's so worth it. It's yeah. so worth it. It totally is, yeah. <laughs> so for those people listening who would love to go and see what you make, where can people find you online? You can find me at www.maxandmedesigns.com um, or I'm on Etsy and Facebook and Instagram as well, all with Max and Me Design. So hopefully you can find me out there. But, yeah, if you do find me and you like what you see, or please feel free to send her a message through um, Insta or through Facebook and or you know through our contact form. I'd really love to hear from the people that have found this podcast helpful as well because I know that I listen to all your podcasts and <laughs> uh, every single time I little, get a little gold nugget of wisdom out of there. So, um, yeah, I really hope that someone gets a little takeaway from this and goes, okay, I'm going to try that in my business and who knows, you know, five years mm. down the track, they may be on a podcast themselves. <laughs> I never thought I would have been on one since. If you'd asked me that five years ago, no way known. So, um, yeah, that's, you know, uh, it's it's really exciting to know that, that we can all be helping each other and that's what I love about this Hammer community, that it, it is so supportive and everyone's out there, they've got your back. They have got your back. I realise that some of us, you know, are selling similar products and, you know, the customers are looking for things, but it's just that support has always been there. And I think that's really unique to the handmade Mm. community and I think it's something to really cherish and and honour as well. Absolutely. It really, really is. Well, thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure and I have absolutely no doubt that everybody listening will get at least one nugget of wisdom out of this, (laughs) probably many. Thank you. Oh, that's been, been so nice talking to you. I absolutely adored chatting with Stacey. As you can probably tell, we had a lot of fun uh, talking about her business journey. If you do want to join me and all the other makers who are taking setup shop this March, please do head on over to createandthrive.com forward slash setup shop. That's all one word, all lowercase, or just go to create and thrive and there'll be a link on the banner and sign up now. So you don't miss out. I won't be running the course again until late 2018. So don't hesitate if you want to really push forward, get your handmade stuff online and selling as soon as possible. And hey, you know, if you have a shop already, a lot of my students actually have had a shop for a while and they take that up shop because it helps you to basically self-critique and overhaul every single part and so if you've got a shop already and you're just not quite sure if you're doing it right uh, setup shop will help you with that absolutely so i hope you do decide to join us Uh, thank you so much for listening if you're not already a subscriber to the podcast please click the subscribe button so you don't miss an episode of the podcast i'm just van den this has been another episode of the create and thrive podcast it's always a pleasure to be here with you and goodbye for now got something like the thrive circle where you do you know the monthly challenge and it's it's just something to keep things ticking along mm. where you're at and then if you want to do you know set up shop and things it works in it just flows through really nicely so yeah i think it's a must-have to be honest thank you <laughs> can i can i quote you on that you can you can absolutely you're welcome to quote me on that